Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Dangerous World Podcast. Always appreciate you tuning in, and the show is growing slowly but surely, so I'm assuming that some of you guys are telling your friends about the show, as I ask every so often. And to be 100% honest, this is the second time I am recording this episode. I don't think it's the topic. I want to not think that. Um, I hate when people say anytime they have any kind of technical difficulties that it's the government watching them. But, I mean, that seems to be the move. I guess that's something that I should say, and that'll get me more attention. I just, I really don't think that, though. Um, basically, obviously, as you know, we're talking about BlackRock here, and they are very powerful I had not really much problem recording the first half of this entire thing, but the second half uh, where I bring on a helper, we actually got an intern from BlackRock to uh, talk a little bit about what they do. And uh, I'm kidding. It's totally not an intern. You've heard Kim speak on here before, but I figure that's just a fun way to, uh, you know, paint the picture. So anyway, um, you know, going through and we're talking about the board member and you know, we heard the recording start, heard the recording end, and then, you know, Zoom just didn't make it so. Uh, so, yeah, something shady with that. It It is really unfortunate. It sucks. But, hey, you know what? We're here. This is what I do. Um, you know, we're going to roll into this, man. Before we do that, what I'm going to talk about regarding BlackRock is the idea of, like, corporate capitalism and corporatocracy, why it's so dangerous. Um, and how that differs from corporatism a little bit, because there is socialist views of corporatism, right? Um, which is mind blowing to me. Well, actually, at least when I looked into it, um, socialists do appreciate money. They, I think everyone does, no matter what side of the political aisle you've land on. Uh, just look at AOC. She's gotten pretty wealthy and she is sort of the poster child for the socialist progressives. Um, Really similar monetary policies is like a Dan Crenshaw, right? Who's a fake conservative, in my opinion. I think he's sort of on board with all this new world agenda stuff. And it's it's unfortunate, but it just seems to be true. I think that's the move when you get in the government. You just want to support the one party because they'll get your ass out of there. And it seems like one of the cushiest, easiest jobs in the world if you're a sociopath, which let's be real, they all are. Um so going to start with that, and then I just kind of wanted to give you a rundown of what we're talking about here. Obviously, going to get into BlackRock, going to talk about some of the interviews that I've actually heard through a podcast that uh, they are a part of. Uh, they, I mean, in this podcast, they talk with all kinds of high-level executives, CEOs of medical companies like Moderna. Um, they talk with fintech people. They talk about Aladdin, which is another 
thing that I'm going to dive into here. Aladdin is a very, very interesting, some would say fascinating uh, aspect of BlackRock, which Larry Fink actually credits BlackRock's success and total takeover of the financial system. And when I say takeover, it's not an exaggeration to say that at all. And you'll see why when I start talking about Aladdin, sometimes, you know, conspiratorial type people and people that don't jive with the mainstream media's narrative on a lot of these things, they can speak hyperbolically, if that's the correct word, in hyperbolic fashion, more often than not, right? Uh, You know, freaking Biden is Hitler, Trump is Jesus reincarnated. Those are things that have been said with straight faces in this community, right? And I have, you know, I was on the Trump train. I never thought he was the second coming because I don't even know where I stand on the whole Jesus thing. Uh, I'm agnostic. I feel like I have to say that every damn episode because people get all angry with me. But I'm not afraid to admit that I don't know what the hell happens on the other side of this life. Okay. But I will say people like BlackRock, they seem to worship the darker side of things. Um, I actually heard a really interesting idea. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Tron, the video game and the movie and all that shit. I don't know if it's a book, too. Um, I actually was introduced to it by the movie, the second movie, because I am a 90s kid. I'm not going to act like I was all into that shit. Um, but what happens in that is the the main creator of this this universe, he tells Clue, which is essentially a clone of himself, create the perfect system. And Clue... This program that's also, you know, depicted as a clone of the creator, the guy that made it. Clue goes about and tries to do this, right? And and he does in theory. But what's a perfect system to a computer is a totalitarian system. I mean, this is a dystopian future that is played out in this video game. And I just found that really interesting. It is an efficient system. You know, when you say a perfect system, who's it perfect for? Well, it's perfect for the creators of that system. And that's what they are trying to do here. And it seems that BlackRock is absolutely playing a very, very key role in this entire thing. Um, I don't even know if the government really has the intention of BlackRock becoming as powerful as it is. Um, I will say, though, that Larry Fink and his team, along with Aladdin, are incredibly, incredibly, incredibly efficient. So um, with that being said... I want to uh, plug the Patreon. You guys know you've been telling people about the show, which I very much appreciate. That's always, always a free way to support the show. If you just send them an episode. And uh, like I said, we've been freaking growing, man. So I appreciate you guys so much. Um, Patreon.com slash Dangerous World Podcast is where you can support the show monetarily. Very, very inexpensive. And it's growing cheaper by the freaking day, it seems like. Because uh, everything else is getting more expensive, but my little Patreon is just staying the same price. Uh, three, five, ten dollars If you want to uh, listen to full episodes, it's only $3. Five will get you access to the archives, which I'll be taking some episodes down and moving those over there. I'm just so busy, so it's a process. Um, there's about 50 episodes in the archives. And then also weekly rants, um, you know, where I just kind of talk shit about whatever is on my mind. And we have fun. That's kind of a more comedic thing. I like to think they're funny. People seem to like them. And then uh, that $10 tier, it's essentially if you just really like the work, you want to support the show, and we do monthly chats. And for every $50, which will change, uh, that'll go up in price, but for every $50 um, that you 
put in, whether it's no matter what tier you're on, you'll get a shirt sent to you. And there's people that are asking me about this first wave of shirts that I'm sending out. I did get sick, sick for about three weeks. Okay. About two to three weeks. And um, so I didn't want to send you guys COVID. I'm sorry. Okay. But no, everyone's super cool about it. Everyone, I consider you guys like almost friends. You know what I mean? The people that are on there. Um, And it is kind of like communicating with friends. We have a fun time um, on the Patreon there. So thank you for your support there. Dangerousworldstore.com. If you're interested in purchasing merch, uh, fun shit going on on the website and uh, just a, a great time. Okay. So what else are we going to get into here with BlackRock? I left off on Aladdin. I'll mention a little bit about Larry Fink. And then uh, I'll go through their holdings briefly because that's stuff that you can easily access online. There's a confusion about how large they are. And I'm going to break down the actual size of the company. And the company, in my opinion, is actually bigger. But doing some basic math, because I'm a basic bitch, um, you can tell that their size is even larger than they advertise. Um, but I tend to think it's quite a quite a bit larger than that because some of their uh, rivals and governments are partnered up with these people because of how efficient their Aladdin AI system is. It's incredible technology. It's not the only of its kind, but I'll say that it's for sure a uh, trailblazing totalitarian wet dream for sure. And uh, I'm excited to tell you about that. Um, we'll get into some conspiracies and some of that satanic uh, stuff that they are about. And then we'll uh, wrap up with that and with the entire board of BlackRock. And that's when my quote unquote intern will hop on uh, just to talk a little shit with me about these people that she doesn't really work for. So we just want to make that clear. Um, it's it's a joke. OK, NSA, if you're listening get off my back. Okay. It's tax season. Everyone's stressed out. I think that we get the right to talk a little shit about the government when you guys are spending our money on things that we don't even fucking agree with. Is that okay? Can I say that you suck? I'm paying you money and I work. It's fucking bullshit. Anyway, let's roll into this. Okay. Um, like I said, I want to talk about like, or the dangers of a, a corporation like this. I think that you know why it's dangerous, but just to kind of reiterate what the issues are, okay? A lot of people say, and I've been guilty of this, you know, a lot of people will say that we're living in a fascist state, and I say, well, no, we're living in a corporatocracy, if anything. I was not really aware that there is a big difference in corporate capitalism, which is what I legitimately believe that we're in. That's my final answer for a million dollars, okay? We're in a corporate capitalist system right now. We're moving towards a corporatocracy, which will lead to fascism. So they're all tied in. It's just sort of like you're going down the track and we're in the stage of going from corporate uh, capitalism to corporatocracy. Now, corporate capitalism is a capitalist marketplace where bureaucratic and hierarchical corporations buy influence. Okay. We see this all the time. It really happens in the developed world most often. Okay. You've got 50% or more businesses belonging to a corporation. That's what sort of defines the developed world. And I was surprised when I heard that that threshold was so low. In the United States here, it's closer to about 70, 80, maybe even more than 80% of corporations that belong or just companies that belong to these big, big corporations. And eventually, guys, I think it's going to end up becoming one. It's crazy to think. I used to think Amazon was going to be the one. BlackRock is sure, uh, you know, pretty damn controversial with their methods. 
And they, I don't think shy away from the, you know, fingers being pointed at them saying that they are dictatorial in nature, technocratic for sure. But, um, you know, large publicly traded companies widely benefit from this limited liability and then this uh, corporate welfare, right? Those are exactly what they sound like. Limited liability is where, you know, the too big to fail idea where the banks in the 2008, the mortgage companies, a lot of them failed, but the big, big ones did not because they gain the privilege of limited liability. They have so many, they, they control so much of the economy. So the government feels that it's necessary and they justify this. Some In some people's minds, rightfully, not in my mind, I think if you fuck up, you fuck up. Doesn't matter that you know if you if you employ a million people or more. Um, if you fuck up, you have to pay the consequences. You should pay out your employees instead of you know fucking up and then buying yourself a yacht if you're the CEO or a helicopter or a new home or whatever that we saw back in 2008. So limited liability is that corporate welfare ties into the same exact thing where you know it's basically welfare that you know humans get. From the government, but the corporations get this. They get money kind of funneled to them because they are so critical in our infrastructure and in our economy. Um, and obviously, sole proprietorships, small companies, they don't get this same uh, benefit, right? If they fuck up and it's big enough to fail their business, even if they're trying to take loans out or whatever, their business fails more often than not, right? This is why I trust so many, so much more, infinitely more. I trust a small business owner with running the country than I do someone that's connected with these big corporations and government. They're tied in together. They're butt buddies. They're bosom buddies, butt sluts, okay? Um, these big corporations, they fund regulatory agencies and even sometimes politicians themselves. So they're always, always going to be doing that. There's no way that we're going to change that unless someone with the balls has the has the backbone to get in there and actually say, this is not going to happen anymore. We can't do this. It's ruining our country. China straight out owns everything, and but they have been doing this for years. And as totalitarian as that is, they have a much more efficient system than we do. And it pains me to say that. I'm not a communist. I do not really like how China runs things, but it says a lot for me to say that their system is more efficient than ours. Ours has completely failed. It's fallen. It is not ever going to turn around unless someone gets in there and actually manhandles it and makes it happen. Um, this is nothing new to us, right? But where's this whole thing heading? Okay. FDR and Eisenhower both warned that the more power that moves into corporate hands, the greater the risk of fascism. This is the, the big F word, not, you know, you thought it was fuck your whole life. Fascism is the worst F word. Okay. If you're gay, maybe the F word is something uh, worse than that but fascism is the one that really does us all in um there's obviously some steps in between where we're at today and where fascism is and that's where corporatocracy enters my mind okay now corporatocracy to you know go against what um see my computer's trying to record me right now um corporate capitalism versus corporatocracy corporatocracy is the complete and total dominance of all branches and aspects of government, okay? So we're clearly not there yet, but we're heading there. Talking bank bailouts, massive CEO compensations, 
those are some very highly cited signs of a corporatocracy taking hold. So again, we're heading there. And until money doesn't play such a massive role in politics, there is no different path that the U.S. will go down. I'm telling you that right now. Um, I'll get into that throughout the episode here. It's going to be a reoccurring theme, and you'll see how BlackRock is such a crucial part of this corporatocracy. But to throw a wrench in the whole thing, there's corporatism. And we're almost done with the with the dry stuff here, and then we'll get into the uh, the BlackRock-specific stuff. But corporatism pushes society into different social groups based on common interests. Is actually a communist concept. So both the, the capitalists and the communists, they love their corporations, right? Oftentimes in, in really efficient communist dictatorships, you see the government owning all the companies. This is what China is, right? Um, and capitalists over there like Jack Ma sometimes get the what for. You know, they do something wrong, they uh, get re-educated. Re-education cap. Um, yeah, so when when corporatism takes hold here, at least in the West, especially in the United States, it seems like the elites move us into wars. Um, Before World War II, you have syndicalism, which saw a massive, massive rise, mostly by the progressive left. Um, But this is a good thing in theory, syndicalism, right? It's the idea of putting nothing higher than workers' rights. And it's part of the labor movement ideas. Labor movement is very, very socialist, very progressive, But I'm not going to say that they don't have good ideas. It just never works out properly because you get these people with no money in groups together. And then the person controlling that gets more and more drunk off of power and money and greed. Greed's a powerful thing, not as powerful as fear. And that's why we do still have power here as the people. We're bigger than they are. We have more resources. Well, we don't have more resources, but we have more numbers. Um, For me, it was really confusing to actually hear corporation or corporate or that corp right how corporate is abbreviated corp c-o-r-p confusing to hear that and think of communism right but corporate itself comes from the latin corpus which is body right and this also is like corpse right corpus um that's latin for body so in that sense it made a little bit more sense it's just the intent behind the group right so from like i said from the right from the left they throw corp, they have different intentions on what corpus or corporation means. And so, you know, they allow these things to kind of placate into what they, you know, want to want that word to mean. Um, most English words are bastardized like this, obviously, right? I mean, this is a, a thing that some of my friends talk about regularly. But uh, just like all these other things, corporations bastardize like many, many words. Morning, like good morning, uh, wake. The the list is endless of of corrupted and bastardized words, but you know it's it's creepy actually to me when you think of a corporation as an entity as they're often referred to. Um, it kind of implies that corporations are living things, right? They have a corpus, they have a body, um, kind of like it's a reanimated corpse, <laughs> right? Um, I mean, how many times have you heard that this company started small but it took on a life of its own, or the company runs itself? Like it, they have their own consciousness, right? They they clearly have their own corpus. That's what it was based off of. They have their own body. But when they start getting their own minds, that's when it gets to be like, okay, this is a this is an entity on its own. This is something more than just a place to work or a company employing people. Um, scary stuff, really. And I think that it's some of my favorite movies when you see these corporations um, 
running things because it is such such a foreign idea to us. And I think that that's intended. I think that, you know, things like the Hunger Games, um, there's a great one uh, called the Bel- the Belkin or Belco experiment. Um, just interesting stuff. If you haven't seen the Belco experiment, check that out. I'm not going to go into it here because we got a lot to cover. But anyway, um, super interesting to see all these movements and how they've realigned with other groups over the years. You have the right leaning voters that used to be seen as the ones who favor corporations, at least in the public's eye. And then the left were more anarchist or syndicalists, right? They cared about the workers and they care about uh, corporations not getting too large in the people's interests. But when someone like that rises up to a high enough level, they look out for the corporation's best interest because they realize, you know, this is how it's going to go anyway. And too many people think like that and too many people feed into that system. But you see those roles just completely switching. The right is now on the anarchist side the left is i mean they couldn't love corporations more at this point they do what the corporations tell them to do right if you have merch for your uh uprising it's probably not a real uprising right if jp morgan and you know merrill lynch and i think merrill lynch is gone now at this point because i know actually that uh they've been involved with a lot of this shit um, AIG was one too, right? If these companies are on your side, politically speaking or philosophically or whatever you want to justify it as, you're not a rebel, okay? I mean, I, I can't believe that that's some, even something that has to be said here. I'm drinking water here. Um, but it seems that we're in a corporate capitalist society for now. We're going to be on the verge of corporatocracy, which will transform into fascism. As two strong American presidents warned us about, right? FDR and Eisenhower. Sure, they weren't perfect, but Ike was pretty damn good. Um, I'm sure that, you know, someone's going to be like, dude, he did this and this and that. He's probably the last conservative, truly conservative president, president that we had. Reagan raised taxes, I think, like seven years out of the eight that he was in, right? Um, it just, none of these people are conservative anymore, which sucks. But it is what it is, right? But there's one group that has always favored the corporatocracy, not just corporisms. It's not the right. It's not the left. It's not the capitalists. It's not the socialists. It's the globalists. It's been throughout time, the religious rights that were in power. Then it became the military. Now we're in the age of the corporation running things. And then after that, there will be just complete disarray unless they move things back in time. And the corporations milled with the military. And I mean, religion's out of the picture at that point. Maybe their their scientism would be more of a thing, not Scientology, but scientism. Um, and it's a it's another, you know, long add that to the list of long and, you know, insanely scary thoughts. But the globalists are there and they have been for quite some time. Um there's all these new new world order theories and these these FEMA camps and stuff. They are about that life for sure, and they're the corporatocracy plays into that so much. Um, globalists love these corporations just because they know that they can get big, massive businesses in line with their shit. Um, they can turn you know regional national societies into a global society through this, right? If if a big company that operates internationally is is running shit 
I mean, th- those are kind of like nations, right? I mean, we see that so often uh, in movies and, and it's just played out. People actually confuse. You see it a lot. Notice on the news when people say countries and they mean to say countries, but they accidentally say companies and they correct themselves. Uh, it's, it's a really, really interesting thing to see. And I've actually alluded to this idea um, that there needs to be a lot of poor people in order for these elites to operate the exact way that they want. You see this in the Georgia Guidestones. I've talked about it with the 1001 Club, uh, the Pilgrim Society, especially. But, um, you know, they, they, are, they love the idea of worker bees working for these corporations that rule with an iron fist. And um, there's an asset management company who's been buying up all the resources, all the real estate, all the tech, you name it, right? BlackRock has their finger even in China at this point. And until they come around over there in China, this wasn't even allowed. Um, Back in August of 2020, BlackRock became the first of its kind to obtain permission from China to start operations in the country, right? Which is insane. And China, by the way, has made the long journey to fascism look short. They're they're fully fascist at this point. In my opinion, I'm not sponsored by China, so I can say that, um, at least for now. But I've been listening to the Bid podcast, and I don't recommend it for the content or for the entertainment, I should say. But I do recommend it for knowledge, um, hearing what the enemy has to say, right? BlackRock's very own podcast, The Bid. They spew all kinds of propaganda, obviously painting their work as very admirable, very trailblazing. And they are trailblazing, but it's just not in the right direction, in my opinion. Um, You'll notice a reoccurring theme on The Bid. And that's that even they never even say that... China is anything but just great. They never say a neutral thing, whether it's in 2018 when the podcast started. I mean, this is before the pandemic, obviously, and before their partnership with China, um, all the way up to today. You know, they they subtly and sometimes not so subtly paint China as the way of the future. So, you know, I learned actually a lot listening to this through um, just every episode. Basically, I, I skipped a few Um But according to one episode in particular, where they talk with the uh, China chief operating officer of BlackRock, Molly Roseman, um, she actually cites Bain Capital. This is uh, everyone's favorite fake Republican, Mitt Mitt Romney, right? Mitt Mitt. Um, That dude is uh, a rhino and a half. And he, you know, actually says his company says that China will be the largest luxury consumer by uh, 2025, um, which is interesting because their salary is very, very small there, but it works for them. This is, of course, Molly Roseman that I'm referring to. And it, it's kind of interesting that their salary, not just, I mean, not very long ago at all, median salary was $900 and it shot up to $10,000 over the last couple of years. Um, but most of that money goes into savings partly because there's really nothing to buy for a lot of these people. There's not really good food that you can get um, for, for decent prices, at least from my research. Now someone could tell me something to the contrary and I would be open-minded about that. Um, But you hear really bad things and you hear how they treat certain populations like the Uyghur Muslims, right? Um, That shit wouldn't fly here, but we're also evil in our own ways. And when I say we, I'm talking about our policies, 
our uh, our government, not us as the people. The people here are the best in the world and also the worst. Um, but it was also really interesting to hear this dude, Rob Goldstein, who's the BlackRock COO, chief operating officer. Uh, when he was asked in by the interviewer in one of the episodes in what they call the lightning round, which is obviously where you just ask a bunch of questions quickly. Um, the interviewer asked, when will we have RFID chips in us? Those little chips to do everything, basically open a, your refrigerator, buy shit. Um, when will we have RFID chips in us? And the chief operating officer of BlackRock, Rob Goldstein, replied, well, which country? Interviewer says China. Goldstein says pass <laughs> right away. Just pass. But, you know, it's interesting that he actually answers not for a long time when he's asked the same question about the United States. Why couldn't he say, I don't want to speak on China? I mean, he said that in, in less words, but um, there's no way of me knowing that he could have said that wouldn't have been anything negative. But and he makes a clear virtue signal to China saying that he will not comment. BlackRock will play ball. If someone asks a question about how you're running things over there, we won't even dignify it with a response. Fascinating shit. Um, but there's a lot of really, really interesting revelations on the podcast for sure. I recommend that if you're interested in just how they work, how they think as a company, and they're probably not advertising everything, but it's not a super popular show. Doesn't get uh, many, it doesn't have many reviews. I think my show has about as many reviews as they do. Um, it's not, and for, for them being as big as they are and as powerful as they are and being around two more years than I have been, um, you think that you'd get a lot more out of that, but just kind of one of those podcasts that flies under the radar, even though Larry Fink speaks on there multiple times. I mean, out of the 80 guests or so on the podcast, they have the combined personality of like a chair or a tire. I mean, they're just insanely dry, very liberal, very pretentious. Um, but there's one really, really in particular, I really strongly recommend that you listen to episode 74 where they talk with the French billionaire CEO of Moderna. His name's Stéphane Bancel. Maybe it's Stefani. I think it's Stéphane. I don't know. You know, they spell shit weird over there. No offense to France. Love you guys. Um, but it's crazy that these guys talk like they're kind of in a locker room or an echo chamber, which they are. But they don't ever think that anyone like me is going to listen and, and like raise a little bit of suspicion about this because... It's mind-blowing that he'll say, and also the CRISPR CEO is on that episode, by the way, too. So two really, really interesting companies. Uh, scary to me, personally, and probably to a lot of you. But it's it's insane, insane that uh, Mr. Bonsal, the CEO of Moderna, straight up says, like proudly almost, that they didn't have their hands on the COVID virus at all when they made the COVID-19 vaccine, they just made it on a computer using AI and it took 48 hours for them to do. They didn't have their hands on the COVID virus when they made the vaccine. Mind-blowing shit to, to reveal straight up, right? Um, I know that that's been said before, but to say it's been alleged heavily, right? That there's no isolated virus of COVID-19, but this dude says it straight out. And he, by the way, if you've forgotten, Moderna doesn't have any patented uh, or, or, you know, safe drugs until the COVID-19 vaccine. 
and they they tout this thing like they created a new fucking element or something you know what i mean and uh you know i bring up moderna and they had him on because moderna is one of the many companies that blackrock owns stake in they own all the the big pharma companies even some small ones that are more experimental I'll get into the industries here that they're in in a second, and you'll be hard pressed not to find an industry that is crucial to a future um, to build back better, as they say. And even the board members are from very strategic companies and and governments even, right, Uh, which we'll get into later here, probably in the Patreon portion, but I hope to see you there. Um, Just insane. And And then this dude goes on to say that not only... All, you know, not only the revelations about the COVID vaccine and how quickly they did it. Um, he genuinely feels like the mRNA technology is a huge success, right? And they're going to be doing more and more of these, even though the vaccine is probably not only not a vaccine, but it doesn't stop people from getting sick. They say that it lessens the symptoms. And I actually had a conversation with my good buddy that works at a grocery store. Super nice dude. I hope that he's listening to this one. Um, he got vaccinated against kind of against his will. You know, he didn't want to, but he did it because he felt like that was the right thing to do. Um, his older father lives with him and all that stuff. Um, he was saying that, you know, the symptoms aren't as bad when you get this thing. And it's like, man, you don't know that, you know, no one really knows that I haven't had the vaccine and had COVID and I'm not going to, um, but I've had COVID and I'm possibly twice potentially. And uh, one time the symptoms were not horrible. And then the second time they were pretty bad. So it seems like it's a hit or miss no matter what. Um, so just to, to paint this mRNA technology as a big success, I think is a huge, huge oversight by uh, the CEO of Moderna here. And he goes on to say that later the flu shots will have COVID boosters in them because COVID boosters are going to be a thing. That's why the fear of a uh, second or third or 20th wave, according to my shirt, that, uh, you know, the the tour were on like the 19th wave or some shit. Who knows? Um, but then also they're going to have rather than multiple vaccinations, they're going to have just one shot with all the different things that you need to be vaccinated against. That doesn't that cannot be safe. It just can't be safe. Um, but yeah, like I said, listen to it. Episode 74 of the bid. About seven minutes in, he starts bringing these things up. And uh, yeah, it's uh, really, really interesting. Matter of fact, I'll see if I can post that little snippet on uh, Dangerous World Pod, which is the Instagram um, Dangerous World Pod. Yeah, just a wild, wild episode. That was one of the more mind-blowing ones. They have some ones about smart cities. Um, They cite Austin and LA as cities of the future, which, I mean, you look at the crime rates there and just the state of living there um very very third world right you've got people literally living in mansions next to homeless camps in both right so i that's not the future i want but the future that they want is really more realistic because they have the resources to push for that um what else do they talk about in this episode they talk about i mean think like i said he makes multiple appearances they talk about a really interesting thing. Uh, actually, the next thing that I'm going to get into here with um, just the 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 COP 26, and which is you know the UN Climate Change Conference. Um, we'll be getting to that in here in just a second. That was a, another really interesting aspect of the podcast that they run. Um, but there's a lot of strange logic that gets thrown around on that show. Um, Larry Fink, like I said, chairman and CEO of BlackRock, makes many appearances. He's also a World Economic uh, Forum Board of Trustees member. So he's not a young global leader because uh, he's too old to be one. But um, 
on the board of trustees with the World Economic Forum. Him and Klaus Schwab are buddy-buddy. He's also uh, on the Forbes list for world's best leader, one of the world's best leaders. Um, And it's crazy. You know, he had a bad reputation before he created BlackRock as far as the investment world goes. He made a really, really bad, excuse me, he made a really, really bad call, uh, I believe, working for Blackstone. Uh, I know that BlackRock was created as a Blackstone subsidiary in the 88. um, But he lost about $100 million dollars for the company he was working for by miscalculating interest rates. Um, he, he just completely chose the wrong way that interest rates were going to go. And, you know, most people can't come back from a mistake like that, no matter who they are, how many resources they got a hundred million dollars. I mean, people go missing for that money. You know what I mean? So, you know, that brings up other questions. Was that money laundered into the right hands? You know, how did that work out? Interesting to think about for sure. Um, but yes. So Fink, stresses that the conflict with russia proves that we need to cozy up to china he actually says that he says that we need to cozy up to china because of their manufacturing prowess they talk about how this is an attack on globalism right and if that's the case if putin's attacking globalism i mean i don't know how i feel about that because i don't think putin's a good dude i definitely absolutely do not think that zelensky is a good dude and i don't think that our current president's a good dude doesn't mean that i want to either any of them to die or anything bad to happen in any of them i just want i want better leadership all around people that actually care about the people right um i don't know maybe people need to have licenses to have kids instead of just depopulating um i think that it's crazy that you need a license to drive a car um but anyone can have a kid and then just completely neglect them and then some of the libertarians out there will be like oh that's totalitarian Fuck that, dude. It's a child, man. You know, I think that you need to have some fucking sense of responsibility in order to have a kid. That's why I don't have one. I'm an irresponsible piece of fucking trash. I am a trash bag through and through, and I wouldn't have a kid. Okay. But people much less responsible than I am have 20 kids. You know what I mean? It's insane. So just the thought, World Economic Forum, instead of exterminating us with these shitty vaccines. Um, he predicts as well, Fink does, that we're going to go to three to five years of hyperinflation because of this Russia conflict. This is in one of the newer episodes. And he states in his annual letter, the most recent one, uh, which he writes to all the CEOs out there, especially ones that are affiliated with BlackRock, that companies are either going to go the way of the Phoenix or the Dodo. They're either going to rise from the ashes or they're going to go extinct. It's crazy to think like that. But he's probably not wrong. Um, Rings of the Great Reset are built back better to me, big time. But uh, as crazy as that sounds, these guys have an ability to predict the future because of this AI bot that I'm going to get into referred to as Aladdin. Um, And it's really in part responsible as well for the mortgage meltdown of 08 and 09 because this thing has really been kicked into high gear since 99. And um, I mean, this thing manages $14 in assets last I checked. Um, that's BlackRock, right? But it controls more money than that. It moves more money around because more countries and, and yeah, I did say that right. Actually, more countries and more companies both, uh, use Aladdin's technology. So, um, but yeah, 14 trillion is managed by BlackRock to be clear. Um, and I'll explain the 14 trillion in a second. Cause there's, like I said, a lot of confusion and you start seeing corporatocracy gain steam here, right? When you start seeing this AI bot 
that uh, you know controls a bunch of shit, you start seeing some some serious discrepancies in what we thought was the free market. And um, I'm all about making money, you know. But at a certain point, it's really just getting drunk off of power and greed, and it's just something that we shouldn't view or celebrate. Uh, we shouldn't view it as a as a positive. Um, what's more on the podcast, you can hear Paul Bodnar, which sounds like an alien, but he had to add like a fucking normal name onto his uh, Bodnar. That's his race. So he's a Bodnar. Uh, he talks about COP26, which is, like I said, the UN Climate Change Conference and um, talks about how different industries have formed their own net zero alliances to hit zero carbon by 2050. So, I mean, we're talking, you know, bank alliances, talking auto alliances, tech alliances. I mean, you can figure it out. Just different industries forming their own alliances at the corporate level, not at the worker level, which is what corporatism was intended on being. Talking 440 major international companies worth a total of $130 trillion combined. Okay, that's an insane amount of money. It's impossible to fathom. But a way that maybe you could kind of try to get a grasp on it. It's I'm not saying like I'm not talking down to, to you. I'm just saying like I don't understand the money at all. That's insane. It's you can't picture that amount of money in your head. Um, but something that kind of helped me try to attempt to quantify it is it's three times the total of the amount of physical money in circulation. Physical money, three times that. Insane, right? Um, so I think that that's 40 trillion and that's not just dollars. That's like all currencies combined in physical money, not digital. There's much, much more digital, but as we know, digital money is not really real, uh, combining all physical currencies, there's $130 trillion working in corporatist alignments to get this net zero carbon agenda pushed forward by 2050. Okay. Um, like I said, big time, big time bastardization of corporatism. And obviously they're benefiting the government and themselves rather than the workers and the citizens. So, yeah, I mean, yet again, you have seemingly good ideas brought by the communists and socialists. I actually think that a commune is a good idea, but it's not scalable. Okay. There are some aspects of socialism that I agree with in theory, in theory only, because these things just don't work. And as we see, they get corrupted by the men in power. Uh, humans are unique in that way, man. Humans are really unique that we have this animal brain and we have this computer brain and we have the ability to operate off of instinct like an animal would. And we often do that, exactly. Um, But we just as often, it seems, especially at higher levels of society, operate off these ones and zeros, um, just like a computer would. And when our elites rely more on AI, it gets closer to that of a silicone model of the ones and zeros, right? And that's another reoccurring theme of the bid. Singularity in many ways. It's it's just a couple of years in the future, right? Um, they say that it's way in the distant future. But you can see with this AI controlling our economy, it's, I mean, it may even already be here. So are they hiding what they know? Um, you know, they've been around for almost 40 years. Are they hiding what they know because they've been using AI to try to gain full control of the economy? That's almost singularity, right? If if an AI or if a machine runs the way that we operate and the way that we exchange goods and services for money, if that's even going to be a thing, um, I would say AI is working side by side with humans already, right? It's at least ruling over us. 
they just don't they don't really point that out so i don't know i think that until those those points are not debatable it can always get worse for us so we're not at that point where there's no hope they're still trying to keep the 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 sheet over our eyes so to speak and we're still having these conversations we're like you know how far off is singularity um I tend to think it's kind of here in a roundabout way. It's just, it's not going to be a light switch going off. It's like, oh, singularity's here. It's a constant stream. It's a snowball rolling down a a snowy hill, right? It just gets bigger and bigger. It gains more power, more momentum. And at a certain point, it's just too big to stop. So scary to think about, but hey, I got more scary stuff for you to think about here. This is where Aladdin really comes in with the singularity and the control of the economy responsible for all the shady shit that we hear about BlackRock. And not only that, but Fink credits Aladdin to the creation of BlackRock. Stands for Asset Liability and Debt Derivative Investment Network. Okay, Aladdin. Runs $23 trillion in global assets because, like I said, competitors of BlackRock use it too. We're talking mostly the two biggest competitors are Vanguard and State Street Capital. So, um you also have a bunch of other firms like this that, you know, all the big Wall Street firms, all the big banks, um, and apparently China, along with the United States governments. So, you know, I don't know, crazy. But Fink started selling access to Aladdin after it was in operation for 11 years. Okay, this, this is again, 1999. We started in 1988. Um, after the first decade, Fink was just pumping data into it, feeded every piece of data that he could find in every industry. And in the process, Aladdin accumulated an insanely accurate track record of picking stocks, both rising and falling. And um, again, you know, this isn't a completely unique thing, but Aladdin and BlackRock are in a class of their own. This is why everyone else is adopting their technology. So, um, in 1999 as well, they went public, okay? So they were a private company up until that point. They get listed on the NYSE. Uh, maybe it was the NASDAQ. I'm not 100% sure. It should be the NASDAQ because it's more of a tech company, and they'll even tell you that. Um, got, got listed on the stock exchange, and um, they're heavily, heavily invested in the bond market. And um, the dot-com bubble bursts directly after they they go live on the stock market. Um they had a lot to do with that, I think. Um, it's not because they went live in the stock market, but it just happened to work out that way, right? Um, since they were holding so many bonds, they were actually, I think, one of the leaders. They were just absolutely heavily invested in bonds. This is when they go from like a pretty large company up into the trillions of, of holdings. So at this point, they start buying stocks again because usually stocks and bonds have an opposite move. And uh, Fink bought the investment arm of Merrill Lynch, which gave them access to every single piece of data the stock market had to offer at the time. Then in 2008, the mortgage meltdown struck and every bank and every Federal Reserve chairman, or I'm sorry, there's only one Federal Reserve, but other central banks were in there too. But every bank um, and, and a couple countries come to BlackRock and the chairman of the US Federal Reserve, Timothy Geither, who now works for BlackRock as well, comes to Fink and Aladdin and asks like, hey, you know, what can we do here, right? Aladdin decides what companies shut down, which stay open. Um, Of course, you have the $30 billion rescue package that passed and Aladdin kind of moves that money around for them, 
for the for the fucking Fed, for the U.S. government. And the European Central Bank, along with Japan, followed suit of the U.S. Central Bank and asked where to invest their printed money. And sure enough, they were all told to put the bulk of their money in the bond market, which BlackRock already had a shit ton of bonds. So you see, a, you see at least not a pattern because this is the first time they do this, but you'll see this pattern continue where BlackRock spends a lot of time based off of AI technology that is light years ahead of the, the competition. BlackRock is buying a certain asset class, knowing that that's going to skyrocket in the future for whatever economic reasons that Aladdin sees in the future. Once that happens, since they have such a good track record, governments and other competition banks will come to them to blackrock and say where should we put our money now and all that blackrock has to do is say well the ai is telling you to put it in the same asset class that we hold so that shoots their value up okay so you see it with bonds and then you're going to see it in 2008 with etfs and etfs are just basically to to keep it real simple it's a bunch of stocks in one stock right so if it's a tech stock You've got like Apple, Microsoft, uh, maybe Amazon will be in there, and uh, Google, let's say. There's much more, usually 100, 200 different uh, stocks. There's oil ETFs. There's large company ETFs, small company ETFs, um, exchange-traded funds, if you want to learn more about those. I'm not going to bore you with the details, though. Um, but yeah, so after they make a bunch of money off bonds, BlackRock starts heavily investing in ETFs. The largest investor of, of all time, if I'm not mistaken. So they, they're holding more ETFs than anyone else. And what's crazy is that in 2017, before we see the 2020 crash of the COVID stuff, when the ETF bet pays off, in 2017, Aladdin's algorithm told Fink to start removing humans from the equation. Start getting human leaders out of these hedge funds. So Fink fires a bunch of his managers that are people, right? <laughs> this is called, and it's this is crazy. I'm not making this up. This operation was titled Monarch. I don't know if that was to confuse from Operation Monarch or the CIA. That's never really been proven to be a, a, a actual thing. And I know people are probably upset about that. I haven't seen any proof, solid proof. And I've listened to people that study this shit, that study mind control. You know, I did like a fucking million part series on mind control. Some say it was too long. Um, no one actually says that Monarch is a legitimate thing. It could be more of that disinformation. Um, Monarch is, we know what Monarch is characterized as, but Monarch is the title of this. Now, Monarch could be referring also to like the king, right? The king or the queen. They are absolutely the king of investing or queen if you want to be gender neutral, but I'm going to say king. Um, so Fink fired his, his hedge fund managers, all the people that were managing these things. And now, rather than a lot, 100% of the market being uh, the trades being dictated by people that have a thinking mind and conscious of some sort, hopefully, probably not, but maybe 70% of all trades on the market are now done by AI. And more specifically, 70% of all trades in the market are done by one AI computer called Aladdin. But you know what else, too? 2017, I mentioned, right? This is Trump's first year in office. If he cared so much about mom and pop businesses, why did he allow Aladdin 
an AI computer to take a bunch of people's jobs. Yeah, sure, they're elite. Why wouldn't he do something about this, though? You can do antitrust. You could do something about this. At least bring it up. I never heard him bring it up, though. You know, digging into it myself was the first I heard of this. So, and shout out to Matt. He actually sent me a video of this as I was looking into it. And this video kind of consolidated the information for me. Uh, I had to fact check a little bit of it um, in this quick little video. I'll see if I can share the video, if I can find it. Um, But yeah, Aladdin is just a really, really interesting thing. So let's move on to the ETF connection and um, the 2020 stuff, right? So we see this little flash crash of 2020. It was more than a flash crash. It was, uh, uh, I think the crash lasted shit. If I remember right, like two weeks, maybe a week or two. Um, this is when COVID lockdown started and the market just erased like a year of gains, right? I think even more than that. And um, if you invested in an inverse ETF, you would have made some seriously good cash for that time. Um, but 2020 comes, the Fed comes to BlackRock after that and says, where do we put our money? BlackRock says, put it in ETFs this time, not bonds. What the fuck? Every time the market goes down, you want to put your money in bonds. But BlackRock didn't have their money in bonds. They had an ETFs. So this ultra smart AI says, no, we're not doing the normal thing here. We're going to put it in ETFs. That's why the market fucking rose so much, so quickly. It made up all of its losses really fast. And now it's kind of turbulent, you know, as of uh, 4-18-2022. But um there is something kind of scary about them just pumping more money into ETFs rather than bonds. It's almost like they're trying to, to create a crash. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's crazy. So we all heard about the whole thing with the housing purchases, right? And this is what really aroused a lot of suspicion that BlackRock is trying to buy all the homes so that no one can own any homes. That's only part of the deal that's scary, right? You see before any significant crashes in the market, or the economy as a whole, because a lot of us don't care about the market, let's be real, but we all care about the economy in some roundabout way, because we want cheaper gas, we want higher wages, we want our dollar to stretch farther. What's so scary about BlackRock buying all the houses? What they did was they acquired eFront, and eFront tracks data on what consumers like you and I buy, the everyday consumer. We're talking houses, cars, booze, um, fucking clothes. Everything that people buy, which is scary, but, you know, uh, these companies create these data points and data is very important to them. I could give a fuck about data, but, you know, I do run a podcast, so I should probably care more about it. I just think you should be able to buy what you want and no one can really tell you what you're buying. And that's why crypto's gained some popularity and the government's trying to dip their dick in crypto now and they will. Um, hopefully it's Ripple. I would recommend buying some XRP. If you want to do that, just get at me. Um, I don't sell it, obviously, but I can tell you how to get it. Um, Efront is, is is interesting. So they buy this, and now they have access to all the information of what we buy. And obviously, the most money that we buy, the most the most money that we throw down on anything is our home, right? For the average person, the home is the most expensive. The, the largest purchase that you'll ever make in your life, whether it's your first home or your last home, um, homes tend to be the most expensive thing that everyday people like you and me buy, uh, rightfully so, and it makes a ton of sense. So, Efront and BlackRock and Aladdin, they see, okay, 
all this money is being spent on homes. The dollar is going to go to shit. Let's buy up all the homes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, again, if we're following the pattern of BlackRock buying bonds and then the market crashes and BlackRock and Aladdin say to the government, buy bonds, their stock rises in bonds and they make money off that. Next deal, ETFs, same story. BlackRock buys ETFs, market crashes. BlackRock tells the the government to buy ETFs. They rise more. Now they're buying homes. Market crashes. Government is told by BlackRock to buy homes. That's the problem. The problem is not BlackRock owning the homes. The problem is the government starting to buy homes, which will happen after the next crash. If we're following this very, very logical pattern that's established itself over about the last, uh, let's just keep it easy, 40 years. Okay, less than that, but you know what I mean. I would just bet money that this is what's going to happen if we're following Aladdin's move into real estate. Freaky, freaky shit for sure. But, you know, this is the problem. This is the problem. What happens when we have an uneducated public? I'm not, again, talking down to anyone that doesn't know this stuff because I just found out about this shit. But it is terrifying. So that's the problem with BlackRock buying all the homes. Not the the thing that we see up front. Fuck, they're buying all the homes. They're going to make it so that we have to rent from BlackRock. No, dude, they partner with the government. They're partnering with the government, and the government is going to be owning all the homes. Fucked up. Fucked up. Um, we're going to move into the board here, and that's a really, really interesting group. But um, there is a, a really interesting thing that I wanted to point out, a couple things here. Um, some of the weird kind of conspiratorial information about BlackRock and what they do Um by 2035, the global education futures predicts that humans will actually be on the balance sheet of these kinds of corporations. So after this crash, is BlackRock going to start employing people to data mine, uh, you know, crypto or mine crypto uh, through their brainwaves and all this stuff? And that sounds crazy. But Microsoft did file a patent to mine cryptocurrency from our brainwaves um, or our data. I mean, they could use all kinds of technology. The sky's the limit with people that don't have a consciousness uh, or a conscience, sorry, big difference. Um, They filed this through the World Intellectual Property Organization or WIPO. Um, It's just another example of the Matrix movie being real here. They're using our energy. They're using our brains to get resources or to run the machine. Is BlackRock after this crash, whatever crash is going to bring the government into housing? Um, Is BlackRock going to start purchasing people? Are they going to be the first ones to implicate this technology where they say, hey, you don't have a job. You're on the street. We can put this RFID chip in you or this this, uh, Neuralink in you, and we can mine crypto, and you'll get a a fee for us using your body as a mine. And let's say you'll get 1% of everything that we drill out of you as far as cryptocurrency goes. And that'll be your job. And BlackRock will start literally buying people up. They'll be on the balance sheets as the global education futures predicts. And then the government will get involved in that, right? It's just insane. It's insane. We're just another asset at this point. Again, by 2035. Something to think about for sure. Um, As we get pushed more into this digital realm, the digital serfdom becomes actual good old-fashioned serfdom. And it's just a, a terrible, terrible situation. What BlackRock's done so far 
in their process of trying to get us more into a technocratic dystopian future is they've made retirement harder through the bond buying. They've made uh, earning harder through the ETF purchases. Now we're in the process of seeing the uh, home owning becoming harder and owning in general. And then what, you know, staying alive might be harder, you know, food and water will be harder to come by. Even if you work a full-time job, you know, I don't mean to, to try to pump fear porn, but I think there's a lot of fear to go around. And I don't think that it's illogical to at least be concerned, right? I don't think you should be afraid of dying. I don't think that you should be afraid of these people. But I mean, fear, like I said earlier, to make this come full circle is the most potent motivator. It's, it's the most potent emotion. It's more powerful than greed and anger and everything combined. So, you know, fear may just get some people to to not stand for this. And, you know, within the law, try to get things moving in a better direction for all of us. These elites could be included in the new world, too. You know, most people don't even want to have all these resources that these people have. They just want to be left alone. And then we pay our taxes, right? We pay all this stuff to these people. But they want more and more. They want everything from you for some reason. It's unfortunate. And I think that the whole mode and the whole idea here for them is that we're, uh, we're going to get rid of a lot of people. We need to depopulate. So we need to be able to charge the remaining people as much as possible. We need to charge them to open the refrigerator. We need to charge them for water that they take out of the refrigerator, uh, which they already do, but even more so. We need to charge them for food. We need to charge them for every single thing. When you open your refrigerator, when you flush your toilet, if you shit out some bad food, you, maybe you're, you're taxed because you're you're got a fat tax, right? This is the future if we don't realize what's going on. Um, this is just insane to think about, especially for a, a freaking company who in 1987 wasn't even around, at least on paper. And less than 40 years later, they have historically guided the world into a direction that they choose. And we'll see what that direction is, guys. I want to move into the board and how interesting they are. Really, really keenly selected group of people. And man, are, uh, I mean, they did their homework.